Welcome to this Stroke Journey podcast, brought to you by the National Stroke Education Center at the University of Cincinnati, your premier source for comprehensive diagnostic and therapeutic stroke education from the pre-hospital and emergency settings through the ICU and rehabilitation. Please welcome today's host, Dr. Jordan Bonomo. Thanks for joining us on this podcast for the National Stroke Education Center. I'm Jordan Bonomo, an emergency physician, neurointensivist, and stroke doctor here at the University of Cincinnati. And it is my honor and pleasure to have my colleague and good friend, Dr. Moshe Mizrahi, here with me today to talk about the NIH Stroke Score. Before I get too deep into it, I'm going to ask Moshe to describe himself a little bit. He's one of these hybrid physicians who's done about every training program known to man in neurocritical care and stroke. And he's one of the best minds that I know for critical thinking uh, in this arena. Dr. Mizrahi, who are you? Hi, good afternoon. Uh, so my name is Moshe Mizrahi. I am an assistant professor of neurology here at the University of Cincinnati Academic Health Center. I am neurology trained, um, neurology residency trained uh, with fellowship in uh, vascular neurology, followed by neurocritical care and uh, followed with that with uh, critical care EEG neuromonitoring. Sounds like a lot of training. <laughs> yes, it has been. So throughout that training and in your clinical experience uh, over the years, you have treated some number of stroke patients, which is in the thousands at this point. And you're pretty good at the acute assessment of the, uh, the stroke patient. And as we all know, the NIH stroke score is something that we use to communicate information between providers to describe the patients themselves and try to understand what's going on. As we've talked about many times, both personally and on these podcasts, there are some shortcomings to the NIHSS. The question that I have for you in the title of this podcast is the good, the bad, and the ugly of the NIHSS. Is it time for a change? I would love to hear your thoughts on whether it's time to change the stroke score, the way we do it, go back to the drawing board, or maybe we keep it and uh, we, we etch it under the walls. Uh, what do you think? It's a complicated answer because first, the NIH stroke scale has been proven, been validated for to predict stroke outcomes in addition to predicting uh, stroke size. It has been used very much reliably to some extent in a lot of acute stroke trials. It served its purpose. It served to basically delineate those that w could uh, benefit from an therapies or other interventions. The question here is, why do we want to change it and what is wrong with it? So uh, I think the, we already discussed the good, the bad. I mean, there's generally uh, a handful of things that has been uh, mentioned and NIH scale has been criticized for. The biggest, I'm sure you've heard, is the inaccuracy and reliability to predict, or not to predict, to assess brainstem strokes or posterior circulation strokes. So, I mean, that is a big one. However, the acute stroke trials, uh, we're looking for more anterior circulation infarcts and not necessarily those with brainstem infarcts. There are still items in the NIH stroke scale that do assess things such as the posterior circulation um, regardless. Other factors that are really big, I think, are uh, the inter-rater reliability. And so there's just a lot of inter-rater disparities um, some of these items are a bit complicated for uh, non-neurologists, um, will require uh, extensive uh, training, but even still, um, there still seems to be some disparities. So I got to ask you, so you mentioned uh, inter-rater reliability, um, and I, I tend to think of that a little more simply as, as reproducibility. And here's what I remember from training. I take two neurologists, give them one patient, I get three stroke scores at the end of it, because they can't agree on it either. 
So my question is, there are things that the stroke score is blind to. You mentioned the posterior circulation. That's certainly one of them. It's left hemisphere dominant or at least biased towards that. You don't have to walk. You can have a stroke score of zero, be disabled, unable to walk, and that's not captured in the NIH stroke score. And my concern is that people use the NIH stroke score like it's some sort of absolute identifier of disability when it seems like sometimes it's really not. I wonder if we've done a disservice by overemphasizing the NIHSS and underemphasizing a really good neurology exam like the one that you do at the bedside that I try to emulate but I never quite get, right? So my question here is, if you were going to change the stroke score, would you add something like get up and walk if you can walk? Would you add, I don't know, something that's dedicated to posterior circulation, like a true test of truncal ataxia, which we miss out on? Like, what might you add to it? Well, I'm not sure. The, the, the issue of adding any further complex neurological um, item or assessment uh, is going to increase accuracy, but it's going to reduce reliability and reproducibility. So I'm not sure if the best thing to do is to make it more complicated. Like we don't want to test a skew in there, right? Because everyone's going to get that wrong. Well, yes, that's true. So, so the, the issue is, is that we're worried about inter-rater disparities. Now we can only imagine what the disparities are going to be like when we have to add those specific neurological testing, uh, whether it be stereognosis or, or, or ruling out agraphesthesias, or even as, you know, for gait instability, rapid alternating movements, things of that sort. I think that that actually is going to be much more difficult to, uh, yes, it will increase accuracy, but I, I am worried that uh, it's going to require a lot of expert opinion in how to properly do it. I think one of the problems would be how to compare a modified new score to an old score when we're trying to compare stroke trial outcomes because there's so much controversy already. My question has always been whether the NIHSS predicts disability at all or does it just show you what's in front of you at the time and you have to make a subjective assessment of disability. I kind of wish there were a disability assessment as part of the NIH stroke score, but it's not there. It's not there. But I'm hearing from you that you think it's actually pretty reasonable. Like it's a valuable tool. You don't have a lot of objection to the NIH stroke score the way it's, it's written. Well, I don't have a lot of objection because I'm not exactly sure why we need to change it. Again, if it's really a matter of choosing those patients for specific therapies and intervention, um, it is not so difficult to accumulate an NHO scope of four uh, to actually give IVDPA. The minutia that we're with, that we're talking about here that can be found in a comprehensive neurological examination can be performed in inpatient acute stroke unit. It is that change, these minor changes that make it very important in regards to any other interventions such as, let's say, a decompressive hemicraniectomy. Okay. Yeah. Now, now we're getting into big stuff, right? Right. Yeah. But it is very important to realize that, uh, yes, it, it, once you approach a higher NIH stroke scale, my question is, uh, how are you going to fine tune any real changes that are going to happen, especially if the patient's aphasic or comatose? Which, again, makes NIH scale kind of difficult to assess. Certain things are untestable. I think this is a great mix. Yes, there are definitely some disadvantages or a handful of disadvantages. Not to mention that if this is a global thing, then there, there's a lot of cultural bias that we have to take in consideration as well. That's true. And when you say global, it's interesting too. I mean, it, it is the common language of stroke around the world. You can go sort of anywhere and people are all using it. All right. I promised you no curveballs. It's not really a curveball. <laughs> you're, you're this gifted educator. It's, it's amazing to watch you work. Do you have a lesson that you give to your trainees when it comes to the assessment of acute stroke patients? Like something that you might have picked up along the way that you can say, just, just do this and you're, you're likely to pick something up. Well, the first thing is that comes to mind is the, the, that mantra of score what you see and not what you think. 
Yeah. Uh, so I think that's very important to to realize that, and especially what I noticed with with some of my trainees who have neurology background is is when they insert other neurological asse- assessments, such as vertical eye gaze movements, or instead of just looking for horizontal movements, uh, or going even further and and trying to assess for a level of consciousness commands not just open and close your eyes and form a grip, but rather the next thing you know, they're asking the patient to stick their tongue out or show two fingers. They're going off the rails or they're like running out of the tracks on the NIHSS. And the point of the NIHSRO scale is to form a language, something that we is standardized, something in which we uh, hope that everyone uses accurately. That's what makes it so important in the research world. So I think having an initial NIHSRO scale, now I think I know is very important. Well, Dr. Mizrahi, I'm going to walk away from this more comfortable knowing that I can use the NIHSS and feel good about it and not feel like I'm underserving my patient. And I think with all due respect to those who developed it, it was a really hard scale to develop. I can only imagine the debate that occurred in those rooms when they tried to figure out what to include and, and what to exclude from the scoring, knowing that you're going to have advanced neurologists like you, emergency physicians like me, um, lots of people across the board trying to figure out how to use this. So it sounds like they did a really good job and we should just thank them and keep going. Well, I, I just want to mention that there is a modified version um, that did come out um, and did improve the inter-rater reliability, um, and that's called the modified NHRO scale. So uh, certain items have been removed, and it makes it a lot easier to assess, and, and probably in, uh, any individual assessment can, can be as less as six, than six minutes. In your practice, what do you use? Modified or the... I use the NHRO scale. That's what I have been trained to do. How long does it take you? Start to finish, you think? Uh, well, uh, according to uh, reports, it should take less than 10 minutes. So I, I hope that that's the case. I was much faster as a stroke fellow when I needed to make decisions in regards to IVTPA or any other intervention. But yes, uh, as a neurointensivist, uh, we do get these patients after the, the treatment's already been given. So there's no sense of urgency. Well, Dr. Zmarahi, I'm, I'm going to thank you for your time today. I, I love talking to you as always. If you'll accept an invitation to come back, we'd love to hear from you again at some point in the future. Thank you for your time. And uh, to those of you listening, thank you for spending this time with us. Uh, this concludes our recording of the National Stroke Education Center with Dr. Moshe Mizrahi. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening today. This Stroke Journey podcast is a collaboration between the National Stroke Education Center, M. Craig International, and MedEd On The Go. For more comprehensive, high-quality educational resources for healthcare professionals, please visit strokejourney.com.